and the chief minister of the state personally came, Mr. Kuhn, K-H-U-U-O-O-O-M. <laughs> and uh, he cut the ribbon and all of these 12 railways. To uh, Vrindavan, to the after that. That's also, right? Mm. No, you went to Vrindavan, then into Mayapur, I think, then came back to Malaysia. Vrindavan had the Continental Festival. Came back to Malaysia for the Radha Festival. Then we went to the Bishma Panchak. Tarpana. And the puja, I read as Tarpana. You know what Tarpana is? Mm -hmm. What is Tarpana? 
Mantra for Tarpana for Malaysian Radhayatras, then from there we went to Krishna Kanaya Desh. Kwai.
It turned out it wasn't flooded. There was an underpass that was flooded, but then you can go you can skip the underpass and just go or go under it. You have to go around it and back and all. You can go back. So, <coughs> while we were doing all that, we had to get a flat tire, we were changing the tire. Shift to a new place and build us home. 
there they can meet with him. Boxing day. <laughs> you know boxing day? 
the day after Christmas, 26 December is called Aksinghe. Of course, that day the tsunami hit. Mm -hmm. But when I had Bobby Gullis, the first day was like it was a big way. Nobody knew that it was going to be there. It took a couple of days to sink in what actually would happen. Maybe it doesn't push to take it seriously at first. So, so that festival wasn't affected, but it was. Um, Rathiatra, to do a Rathiatra 
But this is like an alternative village, alternative town. So they pass rules and orders and drink down the streets. So they go. Three swamis, they were Ramayana Swami chanted one time around, we were from 9 o'clock to go around the town, things and all that. Jai, Gwani Tai, Radha Radha Moha. Thank you. 
accept that they want to do that. Pressures to place. And I hope praying to Christ for my for his having it up. I pray to Christ. He was here many years ago. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I flew with him. Man, the morning took rest till noon when I went there, woke up, spoke at this celebration till two was there for the took my shot, but to flight to Bangkok. <laughs> Next day we do the Sunday program in the park in Bangkok. Then flew to Calcutta and gave the evening program in Calcutta. Chennai Rathiatra. 
Chennai Rathyantra very nice also. Thousands of people go through a long way. Big hall filled up every night. And then from there we went to the youth festival in Pune. From that 4,000. Food for life in Chennai. And also the night of the 14th we went out for Tsunami Prasada uh, relief. And about a thousand plates were distributed. People were running when we got to the living room, some people were from distance running. So I thought that was a good sign. <laughs> Even if, if someone said, well, some of these people get some government food too, but somehow they're running, so I thought that was. <laughs> we had a huge queue and the police helped us to go out. Many women and children, old ladies, it's few The youth festival. Tell us about the youth festival. It was big. The first time they had this in India, National Youth Festival in India. About four to five thousand youths came from all over India. So each ISKCON centers, they brought their own youth group. It's called ISKCON Youth Forum. And uh, it was a big festival. Yeah. They have had this in uh, big Maidan arena. and. Uh, Lot of swamis for that, Adhanath Maharaj, Lokanath Maharaj. It's also part of the 108th celebration of Srila Prabhupada uh, appearance day. And each ISKCON um, center, they set up their own stalls, like nice exhibitions. And the program was from the whole day, like from morning till late night, 10 o'clock. Yeah, I was late 10 minutes, and I missed my speaking slot. <laughs> no, no mercy. They <laughs> <laughs> are very, you know, no mercy. <laughs> very timely, very punctual. So it was like carefully intellectual. And then from there we went, I went to Hyderabad. Uh, Hyderabad just started this year. Bhakti Riksha groups in their temple and they found they to organize 20 groups, four sectors, and they said that uh, the, they're getting the reports on the sadhana from the group members and things. So, so each sector takes charge of the Sunday feast, four sectors, four weeks. And they find that Really working good, they said it's revitalized the whole temple and the rain is put out expanding it. Start about 10 million and 20. Then. Bombay. The Bombay for the meetings, continental meetings. Regional governing body committee. So you were meeting at the same time, but I was meeting. American. Then we went to the Middle East from Indra Rathyatra and Mathura Desh. Mm. Mm. Code name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
They have indoor bathyatra because you can't have it on the streets, so there's one wall that they can get, they can go in and out around the It's fun, it's all really great. 6,000 people to reach well, out. Well, 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 we could have just with Georgia Dome. Yeah, right there. Yeah, this is the size of a basketball. People come and go. For, I think that's how many plates of Prashanta used to serve. 5,000. I used to have 6,000. The right answer is interesting. They had initiations there, 55. Well, a long time to figure out what they have. And where did you go? Delhi. Did you go to Bangkok, the Hari Temple in Vrindavan?
So he built a temple worth maybe 30 million rupees. Twenty, thirty million rupees. Mm -hmm. But so we were installing Radha Krishna around the leaves, and this was quite an amazing installation. Yes. Antwerp is the diamond capital of the world, and most of the many of the diamond merchants are Hindus or Indians. Mm -hmm. So 
them want to build a temple for his king. So I met some of the diamond merchants. For Antwerp, say. Nice people. And then nice program. Question and answer session. Do the devotees have any philosophical questions? I'm trying to reply to our next half hour or so. Yeah, any more papers? Somebody wants to write a paper. Tear them down himself. 
we have some police, ministers, some other people that execute this order, right? The Krishna has energies and they execute this order. Some are for executing orders, some are for giving him pleasure, some are for performing different functions. There's so many energies in this, and they're executing their functions. So amongst them, one around is supreme energy. In the house, when we face a group of Mayavadis that are very strong and uh, what is the most logical way to approach so we can establish from the point of the Shastras what we are saying is fully backed up by Shastras. The way they're saying, to prove that you're, what you're saying is fully backed by Shastra, is by quoting Shastra. Okay. If you know that, whatever we're saying, it's uh, backed up by Shastra. Just like in the last verse of the Bhagavad Gita, 14th chapter, Krishna says, Brahmano Patistaham. I am the foundation of a personal Brahma. In fact, there are so many different verses which support whatever the points are. But sometimes, uh, there are innocent people that are really open that you can preach to them. But sometimes there are people who are like hardcore Mayavadis. Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter how much you defeat them, they don't want to accept. But somehow in their brain it's already got short-circuited so long that it doesn't going to be circuited correctly very easily. So Prabhupada said that if they're not envious and if they don't, if you can get them not to talk when they're in their temple or to the movies. Then the Bhagavad Gita contaminated. And one uh, way is to engage them in service. And then by doing service over a period of time, devotional service, and gradually they have a change in heart. I knew one person who was really high for my body, used to meditate naked in his closet. All kinds of power stuff. He was really, really into the impersonal thing. So we tried when I go and I preached to him, but I went up to his town and shouted and said, Well, you know, like it was a nervous breakdown. No, I can't breathe. I'm going to hold my head. He's like completely, I never saw something go like completely banana, just in my aura, feels on the point. I can't talk to anymore. It's too much for me right it's like, wow, it's like a big shock for me. So then I left. The next day I came, I was all happy. And I thought, oh, what happened? Well, I called up this Sanskrit professor and asked him, what does this mean? Here it says, Brahmano Patistaham. I am the base of the Brahman. And how is it? We're always saying that 
Brahman is the base of Krishna. How it here it says Krishna is saying, I am the basis of Brahman. Oh, that means the forehead of Brahman. Which is totally bogus. It's completely bogus. Proud of the purports here, but this does not at all refer to the forehead of Brahman. Brahman. It's the whole verses, the whole section is talking about Brahman. But anyway, the guy was what happens. Yeah, I survived my bogus philosophies of things. And my own philosophy. But he was a real nice guy. He used to come to the temple, sweep the floor, help us get government permissions, his influential man. So I saw okay, this guy is one of these tough nuts that Prabhupada was talking about. So we just engaged him in service. One day he came to the temple with a little brochure. It said the, the path of Jyoti or something. So said, look at it, it's okay. Nice to put in this book, but uh, you, know, you can't just do it in here. Keep it in here. You know, we've just been a little nice guy and gave some kind of look to the temple, Chandra Krishna. After a few years, he told me that, uh, you know, I'm starting to see what you're talking about. It took years together chanting and social media, and finally, like one day, Krishna is the Supreme Personality Godhead, and the Brahman is his uh, effulgence. It took years. And some people are like that. Doesn't matter what, even if you defeat them, they're not going to accept. So if you get someone like that, then don't waste your time. Then just instead, of don't. So whatever it is, is any one absolute truth, and all the Vedas say, this is the picture about chanting the holy name and, the, and avoid it. Just anyway, even my bodies agree to chanting my Krishna. But if you get someone who's really willing to listen, it's better one on one. If you got a whole group of my bodies, then, you know, they're going to gain up on you. It's not. Otherwise, it's always recommended you can start asking them questions. And what's your time? If you start asking questions, nobody has the answer. If you ask certain questions, there's certain you know, right-to-the-point questions, and my bodies don't have the answer, then that's another way of being it. Chapter Arivila Chaitanya Chaitanya where Lord Chaitanya was uh, discussing with the Prakasana and the Saraswati and all the Maya bodies of the night. He gives all of the arguments in Very so simple. At one point, when Prabhupada went to India, he put it up that chapter as a separate book, called it uh, Lord Chaitanya in Five Features, or something like that. Or, five Features. Lord Chaitanya Five Features, something like that. Just that chapter. That chapter is especially uh, all the defects of my and not all of them, just the main ones of it. There's one book by Ramadurcha or Ramadachaya, one, one of their followers called, uh, called Mayavazi Satyamasa. He was by the mother of the The hundred uh, defects of Mayavazi philosophy. There's all kinds of works out there, but my philosophy doesn't make any sense if you actually apply your words. But if somebody's already short-circuited their intelligence, they're not really applying their mind, they're just getting to it. It's like, 
Clinton had a judge who increased the people where the hardcore short circuited my LME, so they were just. Uh, There's no way they want to talk to all day today, but everybody, all the disciples want to see me instead. <coughs> she was very concerned because uh, she had a guru in India and she wanted to ask me a question about because the guru apparently was a body, but was demanding absolute surrender and everything, she wanted to hear some questions about it. I could never talk to her. I never finished her. But that's a big problem. Right? Most of the gurus today are memorized. What Chaitanya followed was the scriptural verse that says, Abhaisnana Mahur Gena Bhutan Hari Katha Vrita and Sadhana Maiva Kvarta Vyamsar Puchistamana Katha Vrita. That just like now touched by the lips of a poisonous serpent is not to be drank. Drunk. Similarly, the nectar uh, of pastimes of Lord Chaitanya or Krishna are not to be uh, heard from the lips of the non Vaishnava. It's always twisted to, uh, to their point of view.
what they're requesting is what they're doubting. So maybe they, you may raise up good questions. So you want to directly try to, if you can address a specific doubting that first, and then after that, you can go to the uh, I don't know. <coughs> Which are the octuplets pastimes of Radha and Krishna? Octuplets. There's an Ashtakalim Lila. Kind of esoteric. Ashtakal means that there's like in a day of 24 hours. Divide the day up in three hour segments. So three times three times eight is twenty-four, right? So for every three hours, there's a different place, a different leela that goes on. So some of the boys when they become very um, Krishna conscious, uh, then They meditate on the Lord at this time of day, he's going to decide to leave. Midday he goes to the Radakun and then he goes to this place and it's like there's a whole routine when he does. In Vrindavan. So that's called Ashtakali Pila. But uh, it's not essential for us to know those uh, things at this point. Question is, um, 
if reincarnation exists, should we have a couple seconds of flashback and remember the past one? It will be in the last one. If reincarnation is visited, should we have flashbacks? Come stand up again. A couple seconds of flashbacks. Why, why, why a couple seconds and a couple minutes? Or, or more? I think they don't want to do it. Most people do have what they call like, um, I've been there, I, you know, like, you know, I've been here before, or some kind of premonition, or, I don't know what the technical word is. Deja vu. Deja vu feeling. How many of you ever had a deja vu? So that, that connection with the subconsciousness is there. But um, somebody asked you the problem, wouldn't it be good if you remember our previous life? And the problem said that, well, You've already got so much uh, maya and so much, uh, you know, distraction in your mind from this life. So if you're going to remember, I don't remember, you know, your previous life, it's going to become much more common, it'll be like worse. In my previous life, my wife, she did this to me, it was really bad, and you'll be all like, you know, all like, my husband cheated on me, you know, maybe this life, the husband going to cheat on me, too. whatever you have. All kinds of stuff. You become a real psychosis. And subconsciously it is for some people. There was a lady who was uh, always doubting her husband. This is a psychology case history. And the husband said, I'm honest, I'm really not messing around with anybody else. I'm not looking, I really love my wife. But she always doubted So they took her to a psychologist and he did a, couldn't find any reason why she was doubting, but she had this very intense paranoia. So then he took her in a regression, where by hypnosis they can take a person to their previous life. And they said, now you're, you know, 14, 12, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now you're back in the womb of your mother. Now you're in your previous life. Now, speak to me in English and uh, don't move. They tell people things like this. You know, sometimes they go in the previous life and they're like, ah! And they, start, they start speaking other languages. They, have to, they tell them you know, what to do and not to move. And they start freaking out sometimes. Anyway, so. He took her back and then she was, in her previous life, she says she was in Scotland. She got married when she was 19, it was in a, something like that, I just, I don't remember all the details right now. It was like she got married in this L-shaped church, that's for sure. And, uh, but then, you know, it took her a year after, you know, just very soon after her marriage, for some reason her husband took off and left. And, uh, so, That was the reason why that she was always uh, fearing that this husband would leave. That was his conclusion. Took her back, brought her out. Now here they had the whole thing on video, and they had this time they had a, like Scotland's an old place. It's been around for, you know, years and more. 
So they went there and actually researched, is there such a church in such a town? Was she given a name, her name, her husband's name? So they found there was such a church, it was L-shaped church, and the church had records going back for eons. So then they checked in the record and they found out that there was such a lady who married such a man at that time, you know, in 18, whatever it was. You know. So there's like all kinds of this, uh, we had here a few years ago a parapsychologist that came, I don't know, parapsychologist, but he was, uh, I think he was even a professor at some of one of the universities around there. He, uh, I think he said he did perform 10,000 regressions. He was like, I can't imagine how, you know, how long that took him to do, but, uh, and he had so many case histories of, uh, of taking people back and depression, old OUB, out of body, OOB, out of body experiences, OOB, out of body Also, he was talking about near death experience, different things. So he had all kinds of case histories that he was talking about. But, uh, so there is like that kind of, and also the, how do you explain it? How did this person know, you know, have this experience in this life? They were feeling fear, uh, fearful, apprehensive, and how does it She was paranoid all the time. Everyone always doubting them. Then she take her back and she has this experience and she says how uh, she was deserting her previous life. So there's this kind of uh, evidence is also there. I know, uh, I had a disciple, I have a disciple, and, uh, who was quite uh, good at regression. He used to go, I remember he went to South America and the Council General of Peru wanted to be regressed. You know, so he regressed her. A few people like that. He was regressing people. So he was like, so, people, if you use that system, you can, everybody wants to, they can find out the previous life. But I want the body to open that. Uh, where we rest, they found that they were like a warrior in Rajasthan or something. We, they were there in the, the uh, some battle fighting with, with some other Rajputs or something. <coughs> So it's not like, a, like watching the TV or something. You're there. It's like a memory. You're there. You can smell the blood. You can, you can smell the horses and the, the dust and the screaming and the emotions. And, you know, you're reliving exactly what you were doing in some previous life. That's what's that called? Epistemology. Experience. So 
that has certain limitations. They say that uh, you see, uh, every swan you see is white. So you can you find that you've seen so many swans. You've seen 100,000 swans, and everywhere you've seen swans, and they're all white. So you deduct that, okay, swans are white. We never went to the Rhine River or wherever it is, somewhere in Germany, they have actually black swans. And all of a sudden you see a black swan, your whole deductive reasoning is disproved. Right, so material knowledge, is, it's always limited. You never, you're never 100% sure because it's based on what you're observing. Just like they, the, uh, what's it here, the, the, the FDA, whatever, the Food and Drug Administration, they approve medicine, so they'll make a, some company test, you know, how many thousands or hundreds of people, and then after testing, if uh, nothing shows up, you know, wrong, then, uh, okay, they give a permission. But then after some time, when it goes in the market and millions of people are using it, then they find that for every 100,000 people, 16 people go blind, they get paralyzed, they get leukemia or something, then they withdraw the medicine from the, from the shelf and so on. You know, because it, you, you, until you, it's, you're never 100% sure, you're just deducting based on what you're observing. So the more people you observe, the more, but there's always the possibility that, well, there's some other situation that you didn't uh, know about. Whereas spiritual knowledge is called inductive reasoning. But we are getting that truth from the absolute truth itself. So it's being handed down by the, the simply succession. And therefore, then we get this inductive, then we get the explanation. Why something's happening? A simple example is that maybe there's a noise upstairs. So we start thinking, what's happening? Around, and we start speculating, maybe somebody's playing ping pong on the floor, or somebody's playing golf. Or... You go upstairs and find that somebody's sick and they're having athletic fit and it hits me. <laughs> you can hear speculating, you don't know what's going on. You, 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 you go up and then you find out somebody comes and tells you, this is what's happening. So that's an inductive. Somebody is telling you from experience. But in this sense, it's from the transcendental experience. So it's actually more... We think that if you see it, it's to believe it, but that's not necessarily so. People living in an island, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, they would see the, the, or the sun come out of the ocean in the morning from the east, and they would see it set in the ocean in the west. So they deducted that the sun is born from the ocean, and then it dies in the ocean. It's reborn every day. That's all they can see, right? they don't see anything else. That was their experience. So, but if we actually, somebody from the broader perspective, someone who has transcendental knowledge, they can hand that down and that's actually reliable. You get the knowledge, not subject to the four defects of uh, material observers. That they have imperfect senses, that they're liable to cheat, that they are. Uh, subject to illusion and to make mistakes.
present things in that kind of absolute way. You'd rather say it in a, in a more positive way that, uh, as you said, okay, one should perform devotional service, purely, pure devotional service. Shri Prabhupada was a pure devotee. He presents, presented the process of pure devotional service in an ideal way, in a practical way. People can practice in this time. So, if you want to achieve your devotional service, then you're sure to be able to achieve that if you follow Sri Prabhupada's teachings. To say that, well, there's no other pure devotee, no never specifically said that. He may have other God brothers, other Vaishnavas. Then we have to judge whether they're pure or not. We don't just make a category statement, okay, we're the only people that remember the pure devotees. Because uh, it's open for anybody to be a pure devotee. They follow the scriptures, if they follow the Hindus So we're not saying that the, the, the problem never made a kind of statement that we're the only way. In, in that sense. With other sense, he says that if, you're, if you want to be Krishna conscious without practicing Krishna kind of following what you tell Mahaprabhu, following the outside of the Krishna conscious uh, movement, then you're hallucinating. He also said something because practically, where, where at, at that time, where was anybody else practicing? But uh, at the same time, you don't make such kind of uh, absolute category statements uh, generally. Nobody can ever be Krishna conscious. It's practical. It's more of a practical statement. Uh, theoretically, someone can. Anybody reads the scriptures theoretically, but. But practically they can't unless they have a bonafide guru and so many other factors. But otherwise, it says one can, like chanting Hare Krishna, they can achieve perfection even without going through all the formal processes of uh, initiation or some starts. But generally, one needs to have, that's, that's just glorifying that the holy name is powerful enough that it could deliver somebody. Say that somebody that one of the books in Eskimo land or somewhere, I don't know, there's no, I don't know, somewhere where there's no devotees out in the middle of the Antarctic or some place where there's just there's no devotees. I don't know where that place is, but um, they read Prabhupada's books, they follow the instructions, they start chanting. Then uh, there's no reason why they couldn't get back to Krishna also. But saying that there is such a place and they're struggling to figure it out, they were confused. Krishna sends them a guru. Krishna sends them someone to help them. Without a false ego, I don't need anybody, I live on my own. They reject that person. And that's considered offensive. So the holy name has the power. But whether the person can understand it, whether they apply it, in most cases Krishna sends some help because Although the Holy Name has the power, but you're much safer. It's recommended that one should have a group.
Shri Prabhupada was saying that sometimes he said, my godbrothers are not preaching. And sometimes he said, well, some of my godbrothers are preaching. They're trying, you know, they're not doing so much, but I know they're trying. But he would appreciate this one that I want to also trying to preach, you know. Principles are absolute. Prabhupada followed those principles. We also apply the principles he gave us. We follow his footsteps. We're going to achieve that. The good results. So anybody is always free to follow the same principles. Are we stopping that? So if they do, then they're also following Prabhupada. In one sense. Prabhupada is following the previous Acharya. Practically, that we have to see who's actually following. We personally have confidence that uh, Prabhupada gave the best way. We're trying to convince the other missions and other organizations to come in line with Prabhupada's vision. And that's the safest way, that's the authorized way.
and uh, that the Diksha Guru under normal traditional uh, circumstances is considered to be the primary Guru. And the other Siksha Gurus assist him to get the disciple back. There may be some exceptional circumstances where the Diksha Guru authorizes, or somehow a Siksha Guru is authorized to be the primary shelter Guru. But that's like extraordinary. Just the statutory arrangement is the Diksha Guru is considered the primary Guru and everybody else helps him. And we don't know the complications or the exceptions. Now, some of our Sikh Gurus may also voluntarily take a very big responsibility. Some take more, some take less. Just deliver the disciples. Voluntary. If a Sikh Guru gives an instruction to a disciple and the disciple follows him because they follow him, they accrue some bad karma or something, but the instruction wasn't correct, it wasn't a good instruction. The Siksha Guru is responsible for that, and he is liable to get reactions. But otherwise, if the disciple, just in the ordinary course of their daily activities, they start to break principles or they accrue some bad karma or something, it's the Diksha Guru who has to take the responsibility. Diksha Guru is responsible for whatever he instructs. But the Diksha Guru has got total responsibility for what's happening with the disciples. That's why Prabhupada said once that if a disciple uh, disobeys the Guru or breaks the principles, then he's got considered a Guru Juhi, a killer of the Guru, because he's causing a Guru to suffer. So being a Siksha Guru is, uh, is, uh, is uh, a little uh, less of a karmic implication. But we're still responsible for whatever the Siksha Guru is responsible for whatever he or she instructs. In some cases, the uh, Siksha Guru uh, becomes a shelter Guru, an Austrian Guru. Yeah. It's kind of a He functions like a Disha Guru. Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.